This morning, I'm getting back to the basics, getting back to the basics, and uh, before I do, uh, one of our sisters was given a word uh, from the Lord for our congregation for this service, and she didn't know what I was going to speak on, and when I chatted with her before the service, I thought, man, this would be a perfect time. We believe in spiritual gifts here at Wenatchee First Assembly. And if you're not familiar with that, 1 Corinthians talks about that. Some are given tongues, interpretations, faith, healing, uh, the prophetic, words of knowledge. and Because uh, God wants to use all of us. So I'm going to ask uh, uh, Carol if she'll come and give us the word that the Lord has given uh, for us this morning. Uh, why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes just so you're not distracted. This is... Uh, a wonderful thing. The Bible says that words are given to edify the body. So let's hear what the Lord has to say today through Carol. The word of the Lord for God's people for such a time as this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. I have heard your prayers. God bless America. And I have done this for you. And now my desire is to hear America bless God. We are his people, and he wants us to bless him. We need to pray for this land and pray for our leaders. And 2020 is the time. Amen. Father, we take time right now to do exactly that. We thank you that you're calling us back to some very basic things, including prayer. And Lord, the Bible is very clear that we are to pray for our leaders. Whether we agree with them or not, we are to pray and support them. So we pray for President Trump today. We pray for Vice President Pence. We pray, Lord, for the cabinet. We pray for our Supreme Court. We pray for Governor Inslee, Lord. We pray for the mayors of our various cities. We pray, O oh God, that you will use these men and women who have been placed in authority over us to bring righteousness to our cities to our communities, to our state, to our land. And Lord, we pray that we'll be drawn to you, O oh God, knowing that our salvation, our meaning in life, our purpose is not found through the government, it's not found through organizations, but it's found through a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Messiah that was prophesied about years ago. So today, open our hearts that each of us, Lord, will enter into a closer, more intimate relationship with you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many times uh, you've Googled something and been surprised by the number of hits that have come up. Uh, I was this week, I guess it was actually two weeks ago, I Googled the phrase, back to the basics. And that's a really typical phrase, back to the basics. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. As we enter 2020, we don't need some new plan. We need to get back to the basics, humbling ourselves, praying, fasting, connecting with God, not for the results, but for the relationship. 
as we have a relationship with God, the results will come. So as I was Googling back to the basics, I was surprised there are about 98 million, that's right, 98 million times the internet says that somebody has typed in and looked for information about coming back to the basics of life. It's a principle we all understand to some degree. Um, pilots understand it very much. In fact, they have a rule called the 1 in 60 rule. The 1 in 60 rule, if you're a pilot, you're somewhat acquainted with it, hopefully. <laughs> if you're on a heading, if you are just one degree off that heading, you will be off target by one mile for every 60 miles that you travel. So one degree makes the difference of one mile over a 60-mile flight. Let me put it this way to help us better understand. If you start at the equator and you fly around the entire Earth and you're just one degree off, you would be over 500 miles from your destination. It doesn't take very long to be off course. And I've seen that happen in organizations that have started out with a clear-cut mission, but then over the years have kind of wavered from that mission. I've seen it happen in ministries, in churches, in businesses. I've seen it happen in families and marriages. And not intentionally. We don't tend to intentionally drift. We just tend to become lackadaisical. And by very nature, we default back to our old habits. It's time today, as we enter this new year, to look what the Scripture says about our walk with Jesus and how we need to get back to those basics. And I've seen lives that have become so cluttered by other things, and sometimes good things, sometimes spiritual things, but it causes people to drift they drift spiritually, and pretty soon they're spinning their wheels and they're, they're losing grounds. There's been people who have felt the touch of the Holy Spirit as they've worshipped Him, but all of a sudden they come to a realization that, my, I've been to church for two months and I haven't felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, why is that? Somehow there's been some drift, because God never changes. God doesn't move. Unfortunately, you and I move, and sometimes it's because of this drift element. We need to reevaluate our priorities. We need to reevaluate where we are with the Lord and let the Holy Spirit reignite our passion. We need to reclaim the purpose that God has placed upon our lives. Now, tonight, of course, is a big game NFC West Championship game. Go, Hawks. Um, this morning at 9 o'clock, our friend Chris Cooper, as he generally does during football season, had on his Green Bay Packer shirt, his jersey. He always has a Packer jersey on. Appreciate his loyalty to Green Bay. Back in the 60s, and many of you know this story, but back in the 60s, they had this incredible season, and it came to the national championship game, and it was Green Bay versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, they squandered their lead. They were way ahead, and they squandered it in the fourth quarter, causing 
them to lose in the final moments. And their coach at that time was the great Vince Lombardi. And during the offseason, he thought about it. He thought, man, these players have the talent. These players, they, they have all that they really need, but they fail to focus on some very basic fundamentals. It wasn't about trick plays. It was about some simplicity of playing football. So in the spring of 1961, when training camp began, Vince Lombardi decided to take a back-to-the-basic approach to rebuild his team. Opening team meeting, he held up a football, football like this, and he said, gentlemen, first things first, this is called a football. That's what he said. Talk about back to, you can't get much more basic than that, can you? And I want to take kind of that Lombardi approach today about our Christian walk, our Christian life. What is it? Well, there's three key words that I find interlaced through all of scriptures that I want to look at today. Three words that are often used for our Christian life. And there are three basic words, and I think by looking at them today, it'll help us face 2020. It'll get us back to the basics. That first of all, the Christian life is a journey. A journey. Now, some of you might be on this journey of trying to fill that spiritual void in your life. You haven't even accepted Christ as your Savior. But you've come to church and you hear the messages and you feel the presence of God and you're on this journey. Many of you have already asked Christ into your heart. Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is the empowerment of the Spirit to serve the Lord. Maybe you're at a place of your journey like David and Peggy or in a few months, Paul and Karen, who will be going over to the Philippines and working at King's Orchard, or King's Garden, um, which is an orphanage there with the Capones. Maybe you're in service. I don't know where you are on your journey, but you're someplace on this journey. And I love what Eugene Peterson says. He paraphrases it in the message. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you must have a deep consciousness of God because God is working in your life. He's there. Cost God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life that you grew up in. Peterson goes on to say he paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you realize, man, I haven't earned this. It's not because I'm part of a church or because I've signed a card or said a magical prayer. It's because of the grace of God. It's because of Jesus going to the cross, giving his life, being resurrected, that I too can become a new creation with new purpose, new meaning. So you're on this journey. But it doesn't take very long to find out that that journey has some potholes. It has some bumps in the road. Sometimes there's a big detour sign on the road. 
And you think, man, i got to take this detour off this little gravel path here? See, you just never know when you're walking with the Lord. You're not guaranteed that tomorrow's going to be like today or that today will be like your memories of yesterday. It's kind of like going to a foreign country, and I've been blessed to be able to go to several foreign countries, and it's always interesting, particularly when you're dealing with public transportation. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, it is an adventurous journey. There can be delays. There can be canceled flights. You know, there can be chickens and goats right there in the bus with you. It's absolutely crazy. And you think, man, is this what I signed up for? That's not what the brochure led me to believe. And sometimes Christians have a wrong perception of what their journey with the Lord's going to be. They expect their journey of the Lord to be just kind of stress-free, problem-free, just drift from one spiritual high to another spiritual high. You know, we've all been at conventions or protracted meetings or maybe Bible camps where you just kind of live on this spiritual high for several days. And some people think that's what the Christian journey is going to be like. I'm just going to be in this state of bliss. <laughs> and if you're expecting it to be that easy, I'm afraid you've got the wrong idea. You read the wrong brochure. Because the Bible does not say that your journey will be trouble-free. It never promises us an easy life, but it promises us a meaningful life. And it promises a life that is embedded with the consciousness of God being with us and directing us. Peter said, chapter 4 of his first epistle, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Just because you accept Christ doesn't mean your, pro your problems have disappeared. The problems and difficulties that you face aren't all that strange. That's what a journey is. It's full of unexpected things. And even walking with the Lord, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be disappointments, there's going to be heartaches. Sometimes there's going to be danger to deal with. That's why in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said, Therefore, don't lose heart. Man, if you've walked with Jesus for three weeks, three years, or 30 years, don't lose heart and don't allow yourself to drift. Though outwardly you may be wasting, Paul says, inwardly you can be renewed day by day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, our troubles, our bumps, our bruises, our pains, but what is unseen, since that is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Man, I think Paul's doing a great job in describing what we call our journey of life. Might include some hardship, but ultimately it brings glory beyond our ability to imagine. It's worth every single step. So the back to the basic principle of point number one is even when your journey takes unexpected turns and there's bumps in the road and life is difficult, there's a destination that Jesus 
has mapped out for you. He's guiding you. He is molding you into his image. The second word that you often read in the Bible when it comes to our Christian life is that of race. And a race is a lot different than a journey, isn't it? A journey is a lifetime. A race happens in perhaps a 13-mile or 26-mile or a 100-yard dash, or it's a race. Maybe you have a job to do, a task that needs to be performed between now and a certain deadline. That's a race. And 1 Corinthians 9 says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person wins the prize. So run to win. And then he said this in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. So with that in mind, Paul runs with purpose in every step. So even the steps of your journey have purpose because you're in a race. And the Christian life's compared to a race because it demands our all. You can't serve Jesus half-heartedly. Bible says you either need to be hot or cold. Uh, lukewarm is not a good place to be. You can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. No man can have praise to God the Father and then curse his brother or sister. James says there's no well that produces both bitter and sweet water at the same time. Man, when you give your heart to the Lord, it's got to be lock, stock, and barrel. You got to say, I surrender everything, Lord, because that is what a race is all about. A race demands training, it demands that you keep on keeping on. God expects us to go the distance, God expects us to finish this race. Think back to the early days of your Christian life. Your intention probably was, man, I'm gung ho for Jesus. You know, but after two or three laps, perhaps you've grown tired. Perhaps there wasn't the people cheering you on that you had hoped to. Perhaps your calf muscle began to cramp up. And sometimes it's that way when we follow Jesus. Man, we begin, we're all in. But pretty soon these other things are like that one degree that takes the pilot 500 miles from his destination. Doesn't seem like a big thing. Things creep into our life. And again, not necessarily bad things, sometimes even good things. But they take our mind, they take our will, they take our, our eyes off the prize. We need to have an attitude of, man, Jesus, just point me in the right direction. And that's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to stay in this race. The writer of the Hebrews put it this way, and you've heard it, Hebrews 12, 1. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Pastor Tiffany talked about baggage this morning during worship. Some of you need to put that baggage down because it's hindering you from what God wants to do in your life in 2020. What is slowing you down? The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, especially sin. 
those hidden sins that we think we're getting away with, but they're slowing us down from our race. Let us run with endurance. That means we're going to keep on running the race that God has set before us. A great story. I know this coming summer we're going to be enjoying the Summer Olympics. Well, in 1912, there were Summer Olympics in Stockholm, Sweden. And um, the man that was representing Japan is by the name of Shizo Kanakura. Shizo represented Japan in a number of events, but he was really known for being a marathoner. And that's what they asked him to do. He had come off like a 20-some-hour trip. He wasn't feeling well. There was a series of setbacks going into the Olympics. In Stockholm that day, it was 77 degrees, which is very warm for Sweden and very warm to run a marathon. But he began the race for his country of Japan. But along the way, he was overcome with heat, overcome with exhaustion. And he saw a farmhouse, and they offered him refreshments, and he decided to stop for a moment at that farmhouse. And he stayed a little bit too long, enjoyed a little bit too much rest and refreshment. And before he realized it, an hour had passed. Now, this guy was running a marathon for Japan in the Summer Olympics. Well, all of a sudden, he thought, man, there's no way. I have failed my country. There's no way I can show my face. Shame came upon that man. He said, there's too late to enter back into the race. He took another route back to his hotel. Didn't tell anyone where he was going. He caught a boat back home. And for more than 50 years, this man, Shizo, was listed as missing by the Swedish government. No, he started off on the race, and then he just disappeared. A journalist did some investigative reporting. This is back in the 60s. And decided that he was going to try to finish that story and find out where this man was. Put several things together and actually located this man in a very southern small southern tip town in Japan. And in 1966, with the help of the journalist, the Swedish Public Television Network made contact and said, we would like to give you an opportunity to finish your race. Kanakuri was 85 years old, but had lived for decades with shame, didn't want anyone to know who he was, that he had failed his country, and he saw a chance of redemption. And at 85, he traveled back to Stockholm to finish the race that he had started in 1912. 
And with the help of the television network, he successfully crossed the finish line. And it's recorded that his final time in the 1912 Summer Olympics was 54 years, 8 months, 6 days, 8 hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. But he finished. He finished. Friends, that is the kind of tenacity we need to have. Our goal in the Christian life is not merely to start the race. Our goal is to finish it. And there's probably people here today or people who are listening on the podcast. Man, you started out well, but there were some things that distracted you. Maybe you needed some refreshment. Maybe it was a good project. Maybe it was family. But all of a sudden, you're filled with shame because you haven't been running the race for Jesus for years, and you know that. And I want you to know there is a moment of redemption for you. You can get back in the race. There won't be any shame or guilt. You can get back in the race, and you can finish strong. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. This Christian life is a journey, but it is also a race. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said, The time of my death is near, but I fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have remained faithful to the Lord, and now the prize awaits before me. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, man, that should be the goal of each and every one of us. This back-to-basic principle is... <laughs> You're not in the race to start. You're in the race to finish. And wherever you are right now, Jesus wants you to get back in the race, and he wants to help you. Your attitude needs to be, man, I am in this for the long haul. The third word often used to describe the Christian life is the simple word walk. Just walk. Put one foot in front of the other. It's a journey that's adventurous. It's a race. But you know, sometimes it's just simply a walk. Probably the word actually used most often to describe our relationship with Christ. You know, we refer to our Christian walk, which tells us it's a daily process. You don't run a marathon every day. You don't have an adventure every day, but you walk every day. There's nothing, you know, once in a while about it. It's not an on-again, off-again experience. For most of us, it's a day-after-day-after-day day day process of walking. And you think, well, walking, that's really no big deal. You know, there's multiple magazines that are published every month just about walking. <laughs> really, there's one called Walking. There's another one called Country Walking, opposed to, I guess, City Walking. Not real sure, but... There's one simply called walk. Now, if walking is such a basic process, you'd think that all you need to know, you know, could be in a little three-page pamphlet, let alone magazines that devote their entire, you know, periodical to helping people walk. But there's a lot to learn. You learn about shoes and trails and 
diets and you learn about stretches and exercises and dealing with injuries and there's tips and techniques and success stories and there's motivational stories to help you keep walking. Walking is an entire industry because there are people out there that take walking seriously. And just because our Christian life involves day-to-day walk, we can't ignore it. We've got to take it seriously. We all need to be spending time in prayer every single day. We all need to be in God's Word every single day. We all need to be in fellowship. We need to be in community. Those are very basic things. But it's what's going to make your walk successful in this new year of 2020. Micah put it this way, The Lord has told you what's good, and He's told you what's required of you to do what is right. Love mercy. I think about the New Testament scripture that says mercy triumphs over judgment. (laughs) Love mercy, and then Micah says, and walk humbly with your God. And that's the primary reason why the early days of our Christian life tend to be fulfilling. It wasn't just a hobby or another activity to squeeze in on the weekend. It was a lifestyle. And for some of you, you need to return to that walk with the Lord. Maybe you've had the adventurous journeys. You've been on the spiritual mountaintops. Maybe you've even been in a race. But for some of us, maybe it's just going back to the basics of walking with the Lord, cultivating spiritual disciplines day in, day out. I want to read a portion of Scripture out of Isaiah. I generally read the Scripture before I teach. I've chosen uh, intentionally today to wait until the end of my message. It's in Isaiah chapter 40, and I want to begin reading with verse 25, but I really want you to notice verse 31 when we get there, because it's a great synopsis of what we've just heard. Isaiah the prophet, verse 25 out of chapter 40. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all this. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain? Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. And if you're weary today, here's a scripture for you. And he increases the power of the weak. If you're feeling weak today, here's a scripture for you. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those, verse 31, those who hope, or in King James it says those who wait, those who hope, those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. Let me take just a moment, talk about that word that's translated hope 
or maybe translated weight. It's a Hebrew word, kava. And it means to bind or to twist together. Now think about this concept. Strands of twine that do have some strength. But if you take three or four strands of twine and you begin to twist them together, which is the word kava, they that allow their lives to be twisted together, waiting upon God's strength, instead of sickness, we'll find wholeness. Instead of weakness, we'll find strength. Instead of weariness, we'll find new energy. Those who wait on the Lord, it means to bind or twist together. You're taking whatever you have, you're surrendering it to God. He's reaching down. You're twisting. You're binding together. That's what it means. Those who wait, who hope, you'll have your strength renewed. And then here's my three points. Remember I told you that life was an adventure? You soar high on wings like eagles. There's going to be times that you're going to have those spiritual goosebumps. You're going to be on top of the spiritual mountain. There's going to be adventures where you see miracles happen. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be hardships. But through it all, you'll learn how to trust the Lord. You will soar high. And then it says you'll run and not grow weary. That's the race that we set out, not just to start, but to finish. And then, number three, they'll walk and they won't faint. That's the day-to-day lifestyle, the daily walk that we have to pursue. So the Christian life is about a walk with him, and that walk leads to times of racing, And through it all, there's this journey that's very adventurous. But friends, if we determine to trust in the Lord, you'll find the strength for wherever you are. Man, if you want to pick up where your best day is left off, if you want to go back to the basics of what matters most, if you want your life this year to be what your heart knows it can be, then put your trust, put your hope, Put your heart where it belongs, in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for helping us to remember that the Christian life is a walk that involves a race, but ultimately it's a journey. And in that journey, you've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. God, our best days are ahead. We don't have to look back at a relic from our past and say, that's when God moved. We can look forward and say, by faith, as we walk, as we finish this race, as we trust God in this journey, our best days are ahead. I pray for each and every person who's in this auditorium today. And in the final moments of our time together, I pray your spirit will speak to them. Not a man, but the Spirit of God. Be released in this place to speak to each of us about where we are 
in our walk. Maybe we need to do some daily exercises, spiritual exercises, to be stronger. Show us where we are in the race. And if there's someone here today that maybe left the race course and is feeling guilt and shame, I pray that they'll know that Jesus is right there. All they have to do is grab his hand and he will run with them. They can run until they see that finish line. And help us, Lord, in this coming year, in the journey we have with you. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we know that you'll be there. In fact, you're already in our future, so we can walk in confidence. Help us, Lord, to get back to the basics and to enjoy the presence and the peace and the power and the provision of God Almighty in this new year of 2020. Amen.